Welcome to day 191 of the New Way. I'll read Matthew 18.10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Remember that Jesus is talking about spiritual little ones, not necessarily young children. You can be spiritually young and not be physically young, and vice versa. This verse has been taken out of context to say that little children have guardian angels. First, the previous text refers to the spiritually young, not to little children. And Jesus seems to indicate that these angels are reporting needs and issues in followers' lives directly to God. Now, there's not much said about angels in the Bible, but there are references to know that angels exist as servants of God, that they bring messages from God, and that they can disguise themselves as people. But whether we have an angel assigned to us specifically, I can't tell you. We are also told that near the second coming of Jesus, many will worship angels and turn away from worshiping God. So let's not focus on angels. But it is comforting to think that we might be surrounded by angels who report directly to God. Now, Matthew 18.11 does not appear in the NIV translation of the Bible because it does not appear in the earliest manuscripts. Scholars tell us that it has been added by scribes taken from Luke 19.10, so we'll look at that later. Therefore, most Bibles either delete it or put it in brackets to indicate that this is not in the original manuscript of the Bible. A little history here. These books were first written by their authors, probably on papyrus, um, probably on scrolls. Then scribes copied them by hand so that they could be shared with others. Until the first Bible was printed in 1455 on a printing press, the Gutenberg Bible, all the copies were made by hand. That's 1,400 years worth of copies. The surprise should not be that an occasional addition or subtraction was made by a copying scribe. The surprise, shock, and awe should be the amazing accuracy that was maintained. As older and older manuscripts are discovered by archaeologists, the accuracy of these documents is amazing and profound. Then Jesus tells a parable that is recorded in both Matthew and Luke. It has two possible interpretations that lean heavily on the introduction to the parables. I'm pretty sure that Jesus told this parable at two different locations and times. Could he have told the same parable on different occasions and given it two different meanings? I suppose it's possible. Most of the sermons that I have heard do not relate the parable to little ones, 
but instead to empty people. I'll reread Matthew 18.10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. From this introduction, I would assume that the parable following would refer to little ones. Now let's read the introduction to the same parable given in Luke 15, 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This is the introduction to the second occurrence of this parable. Just based on this introduction, I see nothing about little ones, but see more emphasis given to the empty people listening to the parable. Now let's read the parable itself recorded in Matthew eighteen, twelve through 14. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. For the next several days, we will be looking at a series of parables that Jesus told, and in light of Matthew's introduction, I believe that they are all about little ones. I would like us to dig a little deeper, though. First, who owns this lost sheep? We're told that this little sheep is owned by a shepherd, so this is not a stray sheep. He belongs to the man and to the flock. Where was the sheep before he wandered off? He was with the other sheep, again pointing to belonging. Remember that Jesus defined these little ones as new or immature followers who were young spiritually. I'll reread Matthew eighteen fourteen. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. I feel that Jesus is saying that he's the great shepherd and he is very interested in your inviting him into your life. But once you have invited him into your core, he's just as interested in your growth and development as he is in your beginning. He wants you to become all that he intends for you and not waste your life by stumbling and wandering in and out of the fold. A mentally ill person who lives in an adult body but has a child's mind is sad. But even sadder is when a young follower of Jesus never develops into a mature follower but spends all of his or her life wandering and stumbling. They never develop to the point of letting the Holy Spirit control their lives. 
so they miss out on all the peace and love and joy that he brings. You need to know that the word perish has two meanings in Scripture. One means permanently ruined for all eternity. The second means temporarily spoiled or ruined for God's use in the present world. Now let's look at the same parable recorded by Luke. I'll read Luke 15, 3 through 7. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. There have been many songs and books written and sermons preached about the little lost lamb, the interpretation being that Jesus was talking about people who are empty being found by him and inviting him in so that now they are filled with him and safe in the fold. They base this belief not only on the introduction but also on the phrase in Luke fifteen seven that says that God rejoices over a sinner repenting. I believe that could mean either an empty person becoming a follower of Jesus or a struggling, immature follower repenting of following self. Both fit into God's character. So I don't believe we can definitively say which way Jesus was teaching this. Some things we won't know until we get to heaven, but that's okay. And maybe Jesus really did intend for this parable to mean both. To me, this parable reminds me that I need to spend time caring for new and immature followers who need to learn to hear the Holy Spirit's instructions and grow in their faith and trust in Jesus. And it shows me Jesus' great compassion and care for those followers of his who stumble and stray. He loves you and seeks you and desires your return to the abundant life that he offers. And he loves empty people and desires for them to invite him into their inner core so that he can guide them and bless them. In his service, Dale.